some of these time-saving technology applications and that sort of thing, we can harp on all the time how much pet owners love it and expect it and want to see it. But also for your team, you know, at the front desk or even your technicians, you know, even if you can save them an hour throughout their day of a few appointments they didn't have to schedule on the phone or some people not calling for their records because they could get them online or not having to call you for directions because your website is, you know, up to date and looks good and easy to use and that kind of thing. Then those people can actually focus on taking care of those clients that are actually in the clinic for their appointment. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Whisker Talks, the Whisker Cloud Veterinary Marketing Podcast. I'm Adam Greenbaum, CEO and founder of Whisker Cloud. Today, I have Kate Powell, the Client Support Manager at Vetstoria. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being here. Um, I'm excited to have you here to bring your perspective both from the side of working in the hospital, which you did for 10 plus years, and now working at VetStoria and on the tech side. And, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of things today, including based on the answers you gave us before the podcast, we will be discussing probably at length why Marvel is a thousand times better than Star Wars. Um, (laughs) But with that being said, let's hear your veterinary origin story. So every superhero has an origin story, unless you are the goofy, ridiculous characters from Star Wars. I'm just kidding. But I want to know, how did you get into veterinary medicine? What brought you here? Uh Adam's starting with some fighting words for me here today since I'm (laughs) such a Star Wars fan. I do like Marvel as well, but yeah, definitely Star Wars has been ingrained in my psyche since I was a baby. So, well, yeah, we can definitely touch on that later, but (laughs) maybe off uh, the recording. Um, Perfect. Vet med for me, you know, it kind of started with me as a child, similar to probably 99% of people in veterinary medicine, just with a kind of a deep love for animals. You know, everyone always says that they they wanted to get into veterinary medicine just because they loved animals so much growing up. So that was kind of a big catalyst for me throughout, you know, my my school years. When I was in high school, I was real active in FFA and raised animals for show and, and all that fun stuff. It kind of turned into a bit more of a kind of group hangout for lots of high school friends than it was being very serious about, you know, winning awards or anything. But it did, it did kind of bring about a a few leadership opportunities as well, which was kind of nice. Kind of carried that through college, started studying animal science at at Stephen F. Austin, which is kind of a, a smaller college in East Texas. I didn't end up finishing college. I kind of joke around all the time that I got a little distracted with my MRS degree and, and got married and ended up kind of following my, my then husband uh, away from town before I finished and just kind of never got back into it. But job-wise, my first job at a vet clinic came about really just I was looking for work, saw an opportunity at a vet clinic in a little small town just south of San Antonio, Texas, actually where I took my pets. Basically, it was just kind of like, hey, guys, I saw you're, you know, looking for someone to work at your front desk. You know, I'm available <laughs> and uh, got an interview. I thought it might be kind of a, a cool position. You know, everybody who takes their maybe not everybody, but a lot of people that take their pets to the vet clinic are always like, oh, man, I wish I could work at a vet clinic. And when the people behind the scenes at the vet clinic are like, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so started working at the vet clinic, you know, just because it sounded like it it would be something right up my alley. And the rest is kind of history. So I worked at that clinic for about a year and then ended up moving back to Austin, where I'm actually from, and uh, started working at the practice that I was at until I left and, and joined Vetstoria. So I was there for 11 years. Started as a receptionist there and worked my way, worked my way up to assistant hospital manager position and then finally decided it was 
time to find something else to do. And now here I am. Love it. Well, welcome. Welcome to the other side. You were on yeah. the vet side, now you're on the other side. <laughs> exactly. And here on Whisker Talks, we pride ourselves on controversial questions. So I'll ask, what do you like better, in hospital or working with hospitals from the outside? Oh, man. It's a, you know, I get that question a lot, too, because my, my job entails speaking every day, you know, to people who are, are in clinics. So, you know, I handle onboarding for clinics that have, have signed up with, for our, our software and our services. And, you know, some people ask me that sometimes, you know, as we discuss life in the clinic. I think there's pros and cons to both, of course. You know, the working in, in vet clinics is fun. It's something new every day. You, you never know what's going to walk through the door. So that's kind of exciting the, the position I'm in now obviously offers a bit more stability when it comes to hours and just my expectations for what my day is going to gonna be on a day-to-day basis, which is kind of what I was looking for. I have a, um, a five-year-old son now who just started, started kindergarten this year and was working kind of long or late hours, had to, had to go into help on holidays for help with the kennels at the clinic and lots of weekend time and that sort of thing. And it, it just kind of got to a point where that just wasn't fitting with my um, my priorities and my lifestyle anymore. So I have to say, you know, I do enjoy, you know, of course, enjoy my position now. There's a lot of things though, that I do miss about being in the clinic. Of course, the, the people and the pets, you know, it's hard to be in a bad mood all day when you've got puppies and kittens and your favorite old, you know, German shepherd that you've been taking care of for 10 years comes in the door. But I do, you know, of course, I do enjoy my position now and still being able to connect with the people that are kind of still on the front lines at the clinics is is good. For, so it was a nice transition for me jumping from being in the clinic due to having a kid and just getting a bit burned out as everybody does. I was looking for for something else to do. Obviously, Austin, there's a lot of tech, tech jobs around town. And I thought this would be kind of a good segue from my almost entire adult life being in, in vet clinics to to something else. So... You know, you just said something that I say all the time, and I notice a lot of vet people say it's they're on the front lines. Isn't it weird that we're always comparing working in a vet hospital to like war? <laughs> like yeah. we all just do it much, a lot lately. Like, oh, they're yeah. on the front lines. No, the front yeah, lines the are where, you know, yeah, the front lines are where they send people out to, you know, with their muskets and everyone stands on the line and starts shooting. Like, but it's, yeah, you said that. And I'm like, you know what? I say it a lot. And I hear a lot of other people say it yeah. being on the front lines, but, you know, dealing with pet parents, Probably it feels like pretty, it. Yeah. Oh, it is. Oh, God. Yeah. Dealing yeah. with anyone in the public is being on the front lines. It's draining. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of times when uh, you, like I said, you know, you never, you never really know what's going to come through the door, and you know, you have a schedule that you kind of somewhat follow. We used to joke around all the time that the schedule was more so just kind of guidelines for a, a general idea of how the day was going to go, as opposed to what you could actually expect for the day. You go from having the, you know, sweet little six-week-old kitten and, uh, you know, a, a young kind of happy and excited pet parent to, you know, the the next next appointment that you see might be, uh, you know, like I said, a euthanasia for a, a, a pet that you've been taking care of for a long time, which is, you know, obviously super sad. And then the next visit is, you know, maybe a, a pet parent that's not so happy about their previous experience or something like that. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot to juggle. <laughs> Yeah, we hear all the horror stories, we see everything, and it's uh, it's wild. But you and I are here now. We're on. Well, now you're now. I'm. A, I've always been on the tech side, but you're on the tech side, working with a great company in vet store. I know. I feel like our team and your team work together really closely. We share a lot of customers, and 
work on a lot of stuff. And and I think today we should just talk about sort of technology and how it's changed maybe since you were in the clinic and, you know, and where we think it's going. So 10 years ago, I, I can't even, <laughs> uh, to be honest, like I can't even picture just knowing like what was around. And, and I know the companies that we partner with and that we work with most have been around five, six years. I think to myself, what did you do in the hospital 10 years ago? <laughs> what was that like? Was it just Oh my God, I can't even picture it. Explain it, please. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's definitely a bit of a different story as uh, you know what what a lot of clinics do do nowadays. And although there are still some clinics out there that you would think are you know it's still 1998, you know when you walk in. But when I first started, we were we still had paper records, so our paper records were instead of just kind of like an eight by ten folder, they were little kind of like four by six cards that you know everybody just wrote on and. We kept these little folders full of those cards and, you know, the the endless stacks of filing cabinets. You know, as a receptionist, you just kind of started your day pulling charts, looking for records. That took a bunch of time just managing to kind of get your fingers on uh, on records. Sometimes could take hours. You know, you never knew if a, if a record maybe was where it should be in the filing cabinet or maybe had been misfiled. So you had to look for it throughout, you know, through the 16 different filing cabinets you had. Or maybe it was on a doctor's desk or back in the treatment room or sometimes it could be it could be a process. <laughs> the clinic that I started at, we had a scheduling system called DVMAX that we used, which was, you know, great for maintaining the schedule. So we didn't actually have to, you know, like write down appointments in a, you know, scheduling book or anything like that. It, it wasn't quite that, uh, you know, back in the stone ages, but um, so we, we managed our schedule on computers, but, you know, of course records were on paper, our invoicing and everything was through DVMAX as well. So that was on the computer, but I mean, everything else was just completely manual or analog almost, you know, like paper records, our inventory system was literally technicians going back in the cabinets and counting things and writing them down <laughs> and, uh, you know, cross-checking that against invoices and statements from vendors and that kind of thing. And it was just, uh, everything was pen and paper for the most part, except for putting appointments in the in the schedule and, and checking people out on the schedule. Otherwise, everything was just paper in hand. So... <sighs> <laughs> There's a lot of like movies and TV shows out there that are like post-apocalyptic worlds. You just described mine. And it's yeah. like, and I really, I think to myself, like, I'm not, I'm in my mid thirties for everyone out there listening, but like, you know, I was, I was around before smartphones and it's just, it's like you hear that. And I try to think about jobs I had when I was younger and we had computers and we had email, but yeah, it's just compared to today. Like I remember my first job out of college, I was a social media coordinator at an advertising agency and i always tell our social media people this now it's like we have like eight or nine people on that team they they literally create and, and publish thousands of posts a week and they have 50 adobe tools and, and sprout social and hootsuite and 50 things i'm like you guys have it easy Back in my day, but (laughs) I was like, I used to have to sit there and I would have like a list like this customer wants this post to go out at 10 a.m. I would open up their Facebook page, which wasn't even a business page. It was literally just a profile that we named for their business. And we would like click post at 10 on the dot. And if I had two that had to go out at the same time, I would very much stress about it. And I would like have to plan my lunch around okay, I have to put out 20 posts today. I have to make sure they go out at the same minute. Now it's just like we're scheduling posts into next year, like way ahead of the game. So, but yeah, I mean, you and I were talking before we started recording about we, Vetstoria and Whisker Club both use the same 
marketing and CRM platform HubSpot, which is, a, I, I really like it. I'm a big fan, but you know, when you have thousands of customers and thousands and thousands of people and dozens of people on your team, as both of our companies know, keeping data clean, it's a full-time job. We have full-time people doing it just like you do. And, 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 you know, when you're talking about the folders and stuff, I'm like, what happens if one person misplaces one folder? Is it just chaos? That, that did happen occasionally when you, you go to pull a chart and just couldn't find it. It just disappeared, you know, it was lost to the nether. And in those cases, you usually we would just kind of start a new chart, a new file, blank chart kind of thing to just kind of get through the exam, have something to, you know, at least keep some kind of a record on while that pet was was there and uh, kind of hope that the the doctor that they would see, were seeing remembered, you know, somewhat oh, God. <laughs> about the pet. And um, <laughs> and then, if, you know, you typically eventually you'd, you'd find the record. It'd be in a doctor's drawer somewhere kind of tucked away that they forgot about or something like that. You know, then you'd have to go through and combine the kind of duplicate record that you started. But yeah, it was a lot of, uh, you know, oh my God, this, uh, this pet's coming in. They're going to be here in 30 minutes and we still haven't found the record. So we're, you know, you'd have people looking through. We'd have to pull the old boxes sometimes of records that for pet owners that hadn't been in in three or five years that we had kind of filed away in inactive client boxes just to make sure it didn't accidentally get stuck in those. And it was a mess. <laughs> but, you know, that was, you think about it though. I mean, that was just in like 2009, 2010. <laughs> you know, it doesn't seem like really that, that long ago. And, but, you know, that's just kind of somehow how things go in vet clinics too. It's just, you, you start a system, the clinic that I worked at opened originally in 1992, I believe. And, you know, you start a system one way and it's really hard sometimes to, to deviate, even though there are so many other options out there to make your life so much easier. You know, you just kind of, I've always done it this way. So let's just keep going. We had someone recently, this is pretty recent, new customer sign up and we were, and our success team was working with them on creating some branded emails. And we were like, how do you do it now? And they had an old, like grandfathered in Netscape email that runs their AOL. And I mean, I said, there's no way when they told me, I said, there's not, Netscape hasn't been around since I was like very young. There's no way. And they still hadn't worked. I said, what type of servers do they have? Is it just like a hamster on a wheel, like in someone's basement, just like a single hamster? That, yeah. that really blew me away. But yeah, that's that's interesting to hear. You're right. It wasn't that long ago. So it's, it's interesting to see how technologies change and obviously what both of our companies are doing. So we sent out this questionnaire about like, what's your favorite thing? What's your least favorite thing? And I think we should talk about both. You had you wrote something weird and everyone, every time someone comes on and I say that after the recording, they're like, why'd you have to call me out on that? I was just <laughs> typing freehand. I'm like, Hey, I'm just reading here. So we asked, what's your favorite thing about vet med? You said, oddly enough, comma, the people. Yeah. Now, a couple <laughs> things here. Number one, we've had a lot of people say that the least favorite thing, their least favorite thing about veterinary medicine is the people. Mm-hmm. And when someone writes, oddly enough, the people, <laughs> that's sort of someone saying like, okay, yes, it can be kind of toxic and weird, but I still like them. So I'm not really <laughs> trying to call you out. I just found that interesting because I was reading like, oddly enough, because I would probably word it pretty similar. I would word it very similar, like, okay, Things can get a little haywire some days, but I really love these people. So, and you said you went on to say it takes a special person to be able to handle day to day in a clinic. Um, they're passionate, empathetic, and sometimes a little bonkers, just like you. Which I'm bonkers too. So, and if you're <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably bonkers. If you're with us thirty whatever episodes later, you're probably nuts. But 
Yeah, let's, I don't know. I mean, obviously everyone in VetMed knows everyone in VetMed. We're all in the Facebook groups. We're all, we all know what we are, but they're great people. But I'll ask this, just because I'm curious, this is not anything negative, but you wrote oddly enough. And I found that really interesting. Is it because you felt like that's something, because a lot of people do say the opposite. Did you kind of feel that when you answered that question? Yeah, so, you know, that in my mind came a little bit from, you know, a lot of people expect, I think, people that work in the veterinary industry to, when asked, you know, oh, what's your favorite thing about working at a vet clinic? Just be like, oh, the pets, you know, pets are great, love love animals, blah, 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 which is true, obviously. You know, that's that's kind of typically, you know, number one thing that got most people into working in, in veterinary medicine. But after you've kind of been there for a while, while culture, of course, is, is one of those things in veterinary medicine that everyone kind of feels like needs an overhaul, we didn't always have great days, of course. You know, people got kind of butt heads. You know, sometimes you have some some big personalities or kind of a little bit more, you know, dominant personalities kind of clashing at the clinic and you have to manage that kind of thing. I've never heard that ever. <laughs> I bet, yeah. But you really kind of, especially through, you know, everything that you just have to deal with on a day-to-day basis working in a vet clinic, I feel like a lot of times you just kind of really bond with the people that you work with in your team on, I hate to say it, but almost like a deeper level than you do in a lot of other industries. And that was something that I really like the, so the, the clinic that I worked at, you know, I started working there 10 years ago. I was, I'm aging myself now, but I'm 37 now. I was actually 20, 25, 26. So yeah, it was like 12 years ago when I started working there. So I was just, just a kid really, you know, and out of that job spring, I met my, my current husband and we have a child now that my sister-in-law was a vet that uh, used to work at that clinic as well. She was invited to a birthday party of mine and met my brother and fell in love. And now they have, you know, two kids. And, you know, outside of even those kinds of things, you just, there's so much that you kind of go through on a day-to-day basis that I feel like you really get to know these people on a really personal level outside of just being coworkers or colleagues or, you know, somebody that you have to see a couple days a week. Like they're really good. They become really good friends and confidants and and people that you know that you can really depend on because you've had to so many times. Most teams and clinics are are kind of like that. You know, there's there's always it's tough and there's hard things that you have to deal with and and that kind of thing. But uh, you know, that that person that's right there next to you usually is uh at least for me in my experience, but those those were always some of my favorite people and and are still some some good friends of mine. I've I've stolen a couple of people that I used to work with and, and pulled them over to the dark side as well, you know, <laughs> at, at Vetstoria. And um while, you know, while we talk all the time about how, you know, like I said, culture and things that we need to do to to just change up the culture, you know, it's still it's still a, a very tight knit community and a lot of people that we can just, you know, like I said, depend on. So yeah, I mean, I hear that often, too. In fact, we have a couple former vet people. And I mean, I just spoke to one. She actually just moved up in her career here. And I was just talking to her. I'm like, so you happy you're here? She's like, I'm happy you took the chance on me. I'm like, I'm happy you took the chance on us. And it's cool. And, you know, and that's what I kind of wanted to talk about. Sometimes we have days where we need someone, a success or support person from our side, who maybe can speak their language a little bit better. And maybe not be just as like 
cut and dry and just can kind of have that talk and hear them venting. So yeah, every time that happens, we're like, Nicole, we need you. (laughs) I (laughs) I always joke. It's like the movie Troy when they're all calling for Achilles, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's like, you know, Nicole, we need you go talk to him. And it's so funny. It's, it's so like three minutes later every time she's like, we're good. Like, Mm -hmm. okay. (laughs) So do you think that your time in the hospital how has that changed how you are able to communicate with veterinary hospitals? Cause I mean, everyone at my company and I know half of your company, everyone over there, they're amazing people. They they're good communicators. They speak well, but sometimes you just feel like you need someone who's been in their shoes. Maybe does that really help you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think um, we kind of try if we can, especially on our support team, you know, cause we're the people that are really going to be talking to, our clients, which are people working at vet clinics the most. And so we try, if we can to, you know, try and get people from the veterinary industry and people that have worked in vet clinics, just because like you said, there, there's just kind of this language and, and feel and that kind of thing that, you know, we can all kind of connect on. And, you know, when I'm, when I'm running through different settings in the VetStoria platform, you know, what we're one of the, you know, big things with our our system is that, you know, we can, it's very highly customizable. So obviously we have to get a lot of feedback from the people in the vet clinic as to how does your day-to-day life run? How do you handle your schedule? How do you do this? How do you do that? And that's one of those things that there's a lot of times when a manager, a practice manager, or a lead CSR, a lead technician, or whoever it is that I'm talking to that's helping me, you know, get the uh, the system set up for them, we'll just you know, they'll say something and, and I just, I get it. You know, I know exactly what they're talking about because I've, you know, I've been there before or the way their schedule is set up is a bit more complicated than your average run of the mill clinic. But I can kind of use my background and how things just flow and how, how you want things to flow when it comes to time management and scheduling within a veterinary practice and kind of be a little bit more creative. I think with sometimes with the ways that we can set things up for an automated system like real-time online booking and, you know, Vetstoria to kind of accommodate some of those kind of weird, quirky things that come up or that happen in a vet clinic that you may just wouldn't think about it if you hadn't worked in a vet clinic for a long time because, you know, it's just not on your radar. So that and, you know, we, we have a lot of chuckles and laughs on our calls about, uh, you know, when we're talking about things, you know, we I like to... Uh, trade back and forth a few of the, you know, veterinary horror stories uh, <laughs> that everyone had, you know, if you've worked in a vet clinic for more than a day, you've got a hundred horror stories about things that have happened or even, you know, fun stories or happy stories about stuff that happens in the, in the clinic. And I think that also just kind of helps connect the setup and it just kind of creates a person behind the the zoom meeting and that sort of thing. And things like setting up a, an online booking system in a clinic, you know, obviously at the beginning, it can be kind of scary or stressful for clinics because they feel like they're just going to hand, you know, hand over all control to, to their pet owners. And, uh, you know, we kind of walk them through that and things that we can do to, to keep them in control of their schedule, even with online booking. And I think just, you know, being able to relate to those pet owners and kind of be a bit more of a person as opposed to just this, this person that's working for a software company that's just trying to, you know, get through these settings kind of thing helps as well. And then they know they can also, you know, reach out to me if they need something and I've been there and I understand. So that's cool. Yeah. Your company, my company, we're all bringing more technology and automation. And I can always say like, we're like sort of future proofing veterinary hospitals. Where do you think vet like vet med heads from here? You know, now that you've been there and you were, you know, 
misplacing folders and tight handwriting in folders and going through that. Now we have all these systems in place. I think everything that, you know, all of the vet med tech companies are doing, I still believe we're in the infancy of what we can be doing. What do you think vet hospitals are going to be like in 10 years? I mean, for the people out there listening, what should they be prepared for in 10 years so they can sort of be the early adopters and not the people who are still using Netscape emails? (laughs) Yeah. So I think keeping an open mind about the fact that you're going to have to progress and you're going to have to update systems and adopt new technologies and maybe maybe be okay with rethinking your processes a little bit. You know, like I said earlier, a lot of owners or just people who have been managing clinics for a long time, it's so easy to just fall into this trap of, you know, this is this is how we set things up initially. It worked great for the first, you know, five, six years. Maybe things aren't working that great now, but hey, you know, it worked for a long time. So we'll just keep trudging along and hope things get better. Where People, you know, the veterinary industry, you know, obviously their doctors aren't really business owners or that kind of thing. They get real, you know, excited for new technology when it comes to digital dental imaging and new lab machines and all that, you know, all this kind of stuff, which obviously that that is needed as well. But there's so many other systems that clinics may be able to kind of open their minds to or adopt that can help the day-to-day life in a clinic like automation you know, it's, it's 2021. And I think from a pet owner's perspective too, you know, clinics embracing technology, both in the lab and on their website, I think is something that a lot of pet owners are just kind of starting to expect as a pet owner myself too. You know, if I'm, if I'm looking for a new, just moved to town, looking for a new vet, you know, you start Google searching. And one of the, you know, first things that a lot of pet owners do is just check the website for a clinic. You know, what does the website look like? What's the feel of the website? Can I download an app or can I, you know, access my pet's records online without having to call the clinic? Can I schedule an appointment without having to call the clinic? Can I order my, you know, food medications without having to go to the clinic and call the clinic? Because it's, we're just getting used to that. As a society, we're used to that kind of thing now. I don't ever want to call anyone ever. I don't ever no, want you, to. Nobody does. Yeah, I don't either. The, you know, the only, yeah, I schedule my doctor's appointments online. I book flights online. I, uh, I order, I don't even call anybody. I can't remember the last time I called someone to order a pizza. We just (laughs) just don't really do that kind of thing anymore. (laughs) Automations and and that sort of thing, I think are just something that the veterinary industry would probably do well to to maybe, you know, like I said, kind of open their minds up to a little bit more and embrace. I think maybe one of the silver linings, a bit of, you know, this COVID pandemic that the world has found itself in is a lot of clinics kind of got thrown into, you know, you have to change right now because the whole world has kind of changed and the way that we do things had to change. And so I think at least within the last year or so, it seems like a lot of clinics kind of, you know, like I said, got kind of got pushed into it, sink or swim, and are now realizing that, oh, well, maybe if we do kind of change up some of the things that we do or, or rethink our, you know, our processes and the technology that we're using to communicate with our clients and, and that kind of thing, it is actually important and it makes a difference. Here's like a good story for that. Look, I'm moving to a new dentist because my old dentist is by our old home and we moved and and the new dentist is like, hey, can you get your records from the old dentist and get them to us? They don't like when we call. I said, sure. So I go to their website, which I'm not a fan of. And 
there's no email or contact box there. So I'm like, okay. So then I call and I'm like, can you email them to me? And they're like, yeah, can you tell me what you need them for? I'm like, yeah, I moved. I'm going to Nadenta. She's like, okay, I'm going to have to get this approved. I was like, listen, I don't want to make this weird. Like, I don't even want to have this call go any longer. Can you just send me the things? Like, I, I, I don't think you need to get it approved. I need these. I was a loyal customer. I moved. I'm not going to your competitor on the street. Can you just send them to me? And they were like, uh, yeah, we'll get those right away. That actually happened this morning. I still don't have them. But that whole process was just like, even the conversation, it's like, can I just email? Hey, can you have this? Thanks. I'm with you. And you're right. Like, I don't really call for anything anymore. If I need food, I use an app or I, you know, go to their website. And I do like what you said. I just like to let everyone out there know this is a young, professional, smart woman on this podcast right now. And when you're looking for a vet in Austin, the first thing you said to do is go look at a website. So everyone out there who hears me rant about this all the time, not just because Whisker Cloud builds amazing websites, but it's really <laughs> true. It's like, yeah. you know, but I mean, it's even even if you're using apps like a Vetstoria and you go to a website and it's not properly utilized, then it hurts you because you're not being able to offer the systems you lose, use like a vet story. And then it hurts the end user. It's, it's a big problem. You want a modern website that can host all of those things and showcase you and bring you new customers and allow for forms and allow for immediate booking and floating widgets. So, I mean, there's a lot of purposes to having that website and using it as your hub for everything. And my whole life is technology. I mean, there's a joke with my in-laws for my wife and I that we have one pen in my entire house <laughs> and we do. And we reluctantly have a printer. We had to get it once we uh, had to go home for COVID, but it's just so funny the the printer and the pen are together in the garage. And like, <laughs> if anyone ever needs anything, we're like, okay, I'm going to go to the garage and grab the pen. It's like, why would we ever need the pen? Why do we even need the printer? We only use the printer. If we have to like print an Amazon return level, honestly. Yes, so yeah. It's crazy to me because I think about, like I said, you know, even behind the scenes, our two companies have worked together. I mean, we just did a list. We're doing our end of year budget right now. We did a list of all of the pieces of software that Whisker Cloud uses every single day. And there were 25 items on that list. This is all software that our team uses every day that they have to learn. And those 25 things basically keep Whisker Cloud running at all times. That's a lot of stuff. And I'm and I would be willing to bet you all have, you know, similar stuff. Everything from HubSpot to Slack to 50 other things we use. And and it's just really important. So what's it gonna take? for, you know, the guy that uses his Netscape email. I mean, I hate to say it like this. Is it going to take those hospitals or, you know, hearing about other people's hospitals going out of business, which is happening a lot? You know, what happens if a consolidator buys a hospital down the street? You're dead. It's it's game over. So what's it going to take for them to figure this out? To get on board. You know, yeah. I think with, uh, you know, as you mentioned, veter veterinary medicine, it's it's kind of a, it, it's a small town community kind of thing. You know, like every, everyone knows everyone, everyone talks to everyone. The entire reason why I work at VetStoria now is from people that I know in the veterinary, you know, industry in, in Austin. Uh, you know, that VetStoria is looking for people like, hey, who's who's someone good in, in Austin? And, you know, I, I happen to be kind of on the list, you know, just like I said, from, from people that I knew, you know, this person used to work with this doctor, and now I work with that doctor, and she gave me a referral kind of thing. So I think, you know, people and, and a lot of at least I know in Austin is probably the same all over the country. But, you know, a lot of practice managers have, you know, manager groups that they get together and talk to each other about, hey, what's working for you? What's not working for you to kind of brainstorm and share ideas. So, you know, I think people kind of openly talking to each other about where, you know, where things are going is helpful. But 
you know, sometimes you just get those owners or those managers that just really are, you know, really resistant and are really just kind of dug their heels in or like, you know, I'm, I'm not doing this. We don't need it. It's fine. You know, a lot of, and a lot of people too. So there's this mentality that, you know, veterinary medicine is a service industry, obviously. So we, you know, you focus real, real hard on good service, good customer service, taking care of your pets and their pet owners and making them feel loved and welcome. And like they're part of the family when they come into the clinic and that kind of thing is, you know, obviously never going to go away. That's what is going to keep those people coming back over and over and over again is that experience that they have, you know, when they come when they come in the clinic. But I think realizing that what's going to get them in the door to begin with is going to be kind of their first impression, which, you know, oftentimes is the website and that kind of thing. And maybe time might be helpful as well. You know, there's a, there's a lot of younger doctors that I see that are just more excited about technology and willing to use and embrace new technologies just because they grew up with it more so than maybe their older peers. So I think time will be helpful. It's just kind of the way the, the world is going anyway, especially, like I said, especially after COVID now, you know, we, everybody has everything delivered. I used to go into the grocery store, but now I just order all my groceries on an, you know, on an app and I go pick, schedule a time to go pick them up and I pick them up instead of, you know, having to, to walk through the grocery store for three hours with my five-year-old and manage that is no fun. <laughs> and that's the thing too, is like convenience is such a huge thing now. And, uh, you know, such a big part of, uh, you know, our, our day, everyone's just so busy all the time that any, anything that can make our lives more convenient is, is so important. I wish there was just one big, like, lightning rod that that could really just kind of get people to to realize that this is just the way things are heading. You know, you mentioned uh, consolidators, buying hospitals in town. That's one thing, at least in Austin, that it seems like nowadays, uh, you know, you used to, in veterinary clinics, you'd have a, a single owner that owned the practice. You know, it was probably a doctor, saw pets also. Eventually, they kind of decide they're ready to retire and sell to, you know, maybe one of their associate vets or something like that, kind of take over and on you go. And, uh, you know, nowadays, for the most part, most clinics are kind of going to consolidators because they have, of course, more buying power, but they also have support and they have technology and they have marketing teams that can help do things like manage their Facebook posts because the, you know, the 25-year-old the girl that's trying to manage 17 phone calls and five pet owners that are coming in doesn't have time to schedule Facebook posts and that kind of thing. So as that kind of thing happens more and more, too, I think we'll see more people kind of realizing, <laughs> realizing what's happening and, and getting on board. So maybe, maybe a bit of peer pressure will help. I love it. No. And, and let me ask you this question. Cause I was, anytime someone's talking, I just start thinking about a lot of things. So you just said, and a lot of people have said, you know, we have these great young vets that are coming in and they really believe in technology. And I got to tell you, we have some veterinary practice owners that we work with that are like maybe five years or less out of school oh my God, these are the best looking hospitals I've ever seen, that they're the most technologically advanced I've ever seen. I would not want to be one of their competitors. I'm not just saying that because I think a couple of them use both of us, but I just wouldn't want to mess with that. But I don't think our audience is just young vets. So like, if you're out there listening right now, and I want you to hear this from me and from Kate, it's like, you have to be ready for anything as a business owner. You have to, and you cannot be cheap when you're a business owner. You know, I talk to our team, hey, we really need this. I'm like, well, we already have that. Well, you know, this will help us do this, 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 and this. No, it's not really in the budget. Listen, this is the amount of time we'll save. And if that time equals more money than we would lose and, you know, whatever, it's a done deal. We get it. So 
you know, if you're out there listening to what she was saying and listening to me right now, do not wait because if you're a practice who doesn't believe in technology, you're a bleeding fish in the water surrounded by sharks, no matter where you live. And I like to watch a lot of nature documentaries and it's just, they're always so nuts. It's so, but you know, what's funny about nature and, and really life. It's like life, nature, no one gives a shit about your feelings. Like it just doesn't yeah, matter. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if you, if you're like, no, we've been doing it this way for so long. Well, guess what? There's a lot of retail stores from my childhood that are gone because that's how they always did it. My guess is 20 years ago, 15 years ago, JC Penney sat there and thought, nope, we're a powerhouse. Sears probably Sears, thought that. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what popped in my head. Robinson's yeah. May. I mean, there's a lot of stores out there. I mean, God, I think Macy's is on its last legs too. I think Dillard's is on its last legs. Like I haven't seen a Dillard's in a long time. It's like, you know, these stores, the Kmart's of the world, they're in deep shit. If you're an optometrist in a small town and a Walmart comes in, oh boy, I would not want to be you. You know, wait till some of these Walmarts start putting vet hospitals in and start really marketing it and you're in a small town. Man, you better use freaking technology and social media and ads to say, you know, do you really want to bring your pets to Walmart or do you want to come to the local vet? But you're not going to be able to beat them with marketing alone. So yeah, I mean, if you're out there listening, a lot of the things you said, you were just really making a compelling point without even like physically saying it, which was really impressive by you, but it's true. It's just like, you know, competition's fierce just because you're a, you know, a brand new baby sea turtle coming out of the sand, (laughs) trying to get to the ocean to be with your siblings. Doesn't mean there's not a bird just waiting to pick you up right there. So I don't, I'm not a fan of scare tactics, but you got to get with the program. This is life. You know, there's no more antennas on your TV and, and you know, it's time to ditch Netscape. When you mentioned something too about people maybe kind of balk at the price of certain technology or subscriptions or that kind of thing that can really help save their their people at their clinic time or, you know, just time in, in their processes anyway, is a lot of, you know, people who own, own practices or manage practices aren't necessarily business people. Like that's not what they got into the, the veterinary industry is to run a business kind of thing. And, you know, they'll see a number, oh, that seems like a high number. I don't know if I really want to do that right now. That just seems like a lot of money for some for somebody to be able to schedule an appointment online or for you know a pretty website or something like that. But some of these time-saving technology applications and that sort of thing, we can harp on all the time how much pet owners love it and expect it and want to see it. But also for your team, you know, at the front desk or even your technicians, you know, even if you can save them an hour throughout their day of a few appointments they didn't have to schedule on the phone or, you know, some people not calling for their records because they could get them online or not having to call you for directions because your website is up to date and looks good and easy to use and that kind of thing. Then those people can actually focus on taking care of those clients that are actually in the clinic for their appointment and, uh, you know, making sure that they have a good experience because, you know, maybe they saved a few phone calls and, and then that is going to generate more business because you're, you know, maybe your pet owners are happier because your team actually has time for them when they come to the clinic. And then they're going to tell their friends how great of an experience they had. And those people are going to come to you. So, you know, it may not be something that's super tangible right at the beginning in terms of dollars spent versus dollars earned kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I think in the long run, it, it really makes a difference. I know the pricing on both of our products. And it's like, if they're used properly, you literally both, I'm positive, pay for themselves in a day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I really, truly believe that both. Pro- I mean, God, you could have both and be doing 10 other things. It should cover. I mean, it should really cover itself in a day, maybe a couple days. But it's like it should be easy to think through those things, right? Like it should be it's just comically easy. 
it kind of goes back to it being just hard to embrace new technology sometimes. And then, you know, sometimes maybe just the, the price tag, you're, you're kind of unsure. And then you, you see what you feel like maybe is kind of a high price tag, whether, whether, you know, it is or it isn't, or is worth it or, or isn't. And then that, that can be kind of the, you know, the final nail in the coffin, like, well, I wasn't really sure. And I feel like this is too much money. So nah, you know, and, uh, you know, meanwhile, the, all the, you know, like you said, all the, the clinics that are at, I don't know how it is everywhere, but in Austin, there's pretty much a new veterinary clinic popping up like every five minutes, I think, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I, I feel like competition's getting steeper and pet owners' expectations are maybe getting a, a bit more sophisticated. It's just one of those kind of, I think eventually going to be one of those kind of sink or swim situations where you kind of need to get on board or not. And uh, yeah, you know, like you were saying, now now is a great time to do it because, especially like I said, with the pandemic, it's just what everybody expects nowadays because we you know we all just want to stay home and, and not have to to call on the phone and stay in our jammies and schedule appointments and, and that kind of thing so could you imagine if my old dentist just had a form on their site that was like uh and by the way we add this to a lot of sites it's like uh, a records request form hi i would like these records and please email them here thank you very much have a good day they wouldn't i mean they had to answer the phone put me on hold i had to say to them hey you know i moved can i have these records she said okay i'm gonna have to get that approved i mean it's three minutes in and i'm thinking does she want to even be on the phone either way I'm, I'm i moved i mean it's not like saying oh well we have to get this approved means oh good we're gonna trap them here no i moved i'm very far away now i i just i need to go find a dentist near my house i'm not trying to be weird about this i just you know you took x-rays in my mouth five months ago i just need i need those x-rays so yeah but it was weird like and again if you're in the vet or vet hospital or dental office whatever it is if you have 20 of those calls in a week or less the people dealing with those things and doing all that that's probably the cost of a vet story or whisker cloud right there yeah absolutely yeah and you th- you know you talk to people who you know work front desk or really anybody in a vet clinic and like what's what are your phone calls what phone calls are you get all the time like what do you spend the most time on the phone and it's usually Scheduling appointments, people calling in to get refills on medications, and you know people who need to either get their records sent somewhere or calling, you know, because someone you have a new client coming in, then you have to call their previous client to get records sent over. Occasionally, you'll have the people who call that have questions for doctors or that sort of thing, but it's it's just all these all these simple kind of tasks that you spend hours on every day. That there's technology and and other things out there that you can you can really kind of put that somewhat in the pet owner's hands for, for some of those, some of those situations that don't necessarily need someone on the phone all the time, you know? And every single thing you just mentioned is like handled by both of our companies, like really (laughs) simply and easily. Um, All right. So my final question for you, that's it. You like Star Wars more than Marvel, but do you like Star (laughs) Wars? Like, okay, well, hold on. Have you been to um, Star Wars land at either Disneyland or Disney world? No, I have not. One oh, day. Oh, man. And now I feel bad. So my wife and I live in Southern California. We are Disneyland annual pass holders. And now Marvel Land just opened, and it's wonderful. But when Star Wars Land opened, we went to day one, and it's truly incredible. But I felt it was really wasted on us because we're just not Star Wars fans. But are you a pretty big fan? Because I really respect yes. people that are big fans. Okay, wow. You said yeah. yes. Like You're like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I have a like Darth Vader pin holder. I have a picture of Ahsoka as my kind of like my on my desk is like my little message to get me through the day every day is Ahsoka holding her lightsaber saying I can handle anything. And yeah, I mean, I I started watching Star Wars, you know, back in the so I was born in 84. So, you know, episode 
three or whatever had you know come out or episode six sorry star wars fans out there are going to get really mad at me i wouldn't know had a you know come out you know a year about a year or so before i was born and my dad is a huge star wars fan so he what some of my you know earliest memories are sitting on the couch watching vhs tapes of uh you know jedi uh return of the jedi and empire strikes back and you know the the older movies with him and and that kind of thing and it just yeah my husband my son you know working and star wars is pretty much my life so Wow. Okay. Well, I really respect that. And and you probably don't know this about me. I have a weird amount of Incredible Hulk stuff in my office. And like when I say a weird amount, I think it's a re- and there's some new fun things that have recently been delivered. But yeah, this is a long time of collecting. There's probably $10,000 worth <laughs> of stuff here. Is that weird when I say that number? Does that make me sound weird? No, I don't think so. When you, you know, when people are fans, it, that's, that's just how it is, you know? You like to surround yourself with it. It's all bigger things. It's like, you know, signed pieces of art and, you know, yeah. vintage comics and things like that. But I really respect that about you. I, I always think it's good to find, you know, either characters or people that we see ourselves in and, and kind of, you know, surround yourself with it. And like, I, as I always say to my wife, who who tells me, I love your stuff. Your office is never good. That Hulk statue better never come out of there. And then there was a Hulk, a, a life-size Hulk bust that is a thousand dollars from sideshow.com and it's his whole head and he's got like this scary look on his face. And and she told me I couldn't have it in my office because it's too scary. So <laughs> So my son uh, is a humongous Hulk fan, just so you know. Really? Yes. He loves that kids going Hulk. places. Uh, well, I mean, I, yeah, I'm biased. So I kind of think that anyway, but yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. He, um, his most recent purchase for him was a Hulk, like body pillow stuffed animal kind of thing you you could say, but it's, it's like four feet long. It's almost as big as he is like four feet long. And he had like, he sleeps cuddled up with that thing, you know, all night, every night. So he's, yeah, he has uh, his, that's his, his kind of bedfellow is, is the Hulk basically. Like that's what he likes to go to sleep to is the, the Hulk's <laughs> face in his face every night. Like you'd think it'd be like some cushy little, you know, lamb or something like that. No, it's, it's Hulk. So <laughs> I love that. And and it's yeah. like all of the young kids in our family, my wife and I are just always, and everyone always just rolls their eyes. Cause we're always like sending Liz, will get them like Mickey clothes or Mickey plush. And I'll just send them Hulk stuff every time. Yeah. Just building a little army of Hulk lovers into the future. Yeah. Those are some of the first, not, you know, not the first words, but some of the first things that we could actually understand that he was saying when he was learning how to talk was Hulk smash. So, Oh my God. I love yeah. it. <laughs> that is so great. Yep. Oh man. Well, not just because of that, which made me light up, but you know, <laughs> I really appreciate your time today and, you know, coming on here and, and, you know, kind of giving your perspective from both being in the hospital and being outside. So I want to know what's your 60 second pitch to vet hospitals out there. What should they be doing? What should they be thinking about? This is coming from someone who works with a lot of great technology, who knows some awesome things that are coming and has experience in the hospital. What should clinics be doing right now to future proof their business? I'd say, you know, to be a little bit cliche, but kind of keep your eyes on the horizon a little bit. Try not to be short sighted, uh, you know, try not to kind of dig your head in the sand a bit, um, especially when things get tough, because, you know, I know things can get tough in clinics and, you know, things for the whole world have been kind of tough for the last couple of years and especially for, you know, people, people in the veterinary industry. But really keep your mind open, uh, explore different uh, opportunities or or things that you may not have really thought about before that could that could help out the team. You know, some it's nice for, you know, people in vet clinics to try and support their team by, you know, having donuts delivered and that kind of thing, which we always appreciate at the clinic. But I think um, having better processes, 
that can kind of help automate some of the the little menial tasks that just take up so much time, you know, throughout the day really goes a long way to help the team, help culture, help morale, help your pet owners. So, I mean, it it really encompasses a lot of the, the biggest kind of pain points for a lot of clinics right now. I completely agree with everything you just said. Everyone out there listening, if you want to go learn more about VetStory, go to VetStory.com. I work with a lot of the team behind the scenes, probably a lot of people you may never meet. They're all awesome, amazing. The guys in London are my my dudes. I'm a big tea drinker. Nate, what's up, man? Big fan. You know, everyone over there is awesome. Be sure to follow them on social. They do a great job. And if you're out there listening, you know, and you like Whisker Talks, subscribe, rate, review. We're on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Go to whiskercloud.com slash blog. A lot of stuff there. We've even partnered with VetStory recently on some awesome case studies for companies that we both work with. So everyone out there, I hope you learned a lot today. Thanks so much. And Kate, thank you again for being here. This was awesome. Yeah, thank you, Adam. It was great to talk to you and glad to have been able to be here. Thank you. Thank you.